Well, thank you, Chad. Thank you, worship team and Michaela and Jared. We've got a full morning today so far. Well, that's great. Well, we are starting a brand new series called uh, Let Heaven and Nature Sing, or just Heaven and Nature Sing. And we're looking forward to highlighting some different carols, some of the ones that we've sung for a long time, but that maybe we don't quite know the background story behind. So I'm going to get right into it because Isaac Watts, the guy who wrote Joy to the World, was one who became probably the most famous hymn writer of his day. He kind of had some widespread uh, notoriety, and he's known for some of the different hymns that he wrote. Uh, Behold the glories of the Lamb, and this one I know you know, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. Um, but uh, he wasn't always famous. You see, as he would go out and he would go and he would go to worship, back uh, he was born in 1674, so way back there. And as he would go and he would go to church, the people that were around him, he would watch the expressions on their faces. And back in that time, they were singing uh, pretty much just straight scripture. So they would either be singing a scripture or singing a psalm. And that's great. That's great to do. I've got some scripture memory songs that I love listening to myself. I love when we sing uh, Psalm 23, I think it is. When we sing, uh, you know, hallelujah, I am not alone. The Lord is my shepherd. I love singing those things. But one of the things that Isaac Watts recognized was he would go to church and everyone would have this blank expression on their face. Almost like they were just going through the motions, just singing the words because those are the things around the page in front of them. But nobody seemed to have that passion rising up out of their heart. And it really bothered him. He's like, nobody has got this passion on their face. What is the problem? So he was talking with uh, his father. He's talking with his dad about this issue. And his dad said, well... Why don't you go be a part of the solution? If you've got an issue with the way things are, maybe you should go write some hymns, write some things that people can worship to, where really they can draw from the excellencies of God, where the truth of who he is and what he's done, people can sing and they can radiate that from their face. And so that's why he started out uh, going and uh, writing different hymns, those two that I mentioned to you, of course, but his most famous hymn that he wrote was, of course, Joy to the World. Joy to the World. And what a great antidote, right? What a great thing to address the, the monotonous actions of people who are just going through the motions, not really meaning it from the heart, to have this song, Joy to the World. What an incredible thing that we're able to experience joy from the Lord. He actually drew a lot of the things from this uh, verse, from this uh, chapter, uh, from his song. He drew from this chapter within Psalms, Psalm 98. And so as he was reading through there, he saw all these different reasons that were able to experience joy because Jesus was sent to earth. And as I think about that myself, we all need some joy, amen? We're all in a place where we need some joy whether it's because the sun's going down at 3.30 in the afternoon and you're like, my goodness, it's so dark. This is discouraging. Maybe you've got other things within your life that are making you feel like you're in a place of darkness. Maybe you've got things going on within your life that make you feel like it's just that monotonous thing, just going through the motions, like you're disconnected from God and you're wondering, how is it that I can experience joy? You know, joy is kind of a hot word right now, right? During the Christmas season, everybody loves using the word joy. You don't have to watch TV for too long, whether they're trying to sell you clothes from Old Navy, whether they're trying to sell you a new car that you should go spend 40 grand on and put a bow and surprise your spouse. No, don't do that. 
Whatever it is they're trying to encourage you to buy at Kohl's or Target, wherever, they've got this word joy. But the reality is, you're not able to find joy underneath the Christmas tree. You're not able to find joy by opening up an Amazon package, even if it gets there in time for Christmas. Today, what we're going to talk about is that true joy we're only able to experience when we come face to face with the Son of God. True joy is experienced when we are able to see, to savor, and to worship the Son of God Himself. That's what we're going to take a look at today. Three different reasons that we can sing this hymn, this carol, this Christmas carol, Joy to the World as a result of the joy that God gives to us. So let me pray for us and ask for God to speak to us in this time together. Father, we thank you so much that you sent your son Jesus a light into a dark world. Lord, for many of us uh, and all of mankind, we were in a dark place before we met you. Lord, I thank you that we're able to experience joy because of who you are, because of what you've done. And Lord, as we sing this song, Joy to the World, and we've got that tune stuck in our head, Lord, may you draw out the meaning of Psalm 98. Would you help us to understand the joy that we really can have in this life, even in the face of darkness and discouragement? So Lord, please speak to us today. Help us not only to understand why we receive joy from you, but also to experience it. We love you, Lord, and we pray all these things in the powerful name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said amen amen well like I said there's three different reasons if you got your outline in your bulletin today you can go ahead and write down this first reason that we can receive joy the first reason is that Jesus gives us joy when he saves us at the moment of salvation when we get to know who Jesus is and just as we saw in that video a few minutes ago when Lewis realized that he needed to bow the knee to his Savior he and his wife were able to experience true joy for the very first time. I read, uh, read this last week in Christianity Today about a couple who had just became Christians, a husband and wife, and they were excited. They wanted to get the news out. They said, hey, God has saved us. We want to go share that with others. So they went out. They went out to eat, and uh, the husband came up with this idea. He said, hey, let's leave uh, a good tip and uh, some literature with the good news of Jesus Christ. Let's leave that behind. So they were kind to their waitress and they wanted to bless her. He actually, I think he skipped a meal so he could spend that money on giving her a tip. And uh, so they did that and then they were praying for her. Over the next month, they were praying for this waitress that they had met. And about a month later, it was time for them to go uh, have, their, uh, have their dinner out. And so they said, let's go back to the same place. We've been praying for this lady, for her salvation. Let's go and, uh, and let's do it again. Let's give her an even bigger tip. Let's give her some more information about the good news of Jesus Christ. So they went there, and they were uh, excited about being able to do that same thing again. But when they talked with the waitress, they realized, she told them, hey, thank you so much, not only for the tip, but thank you for the good news about Jesus Christ. She said, I went home and I read that, and at the end I recognized that I'm a sinner in needs of God's grace. And I prayed to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And they gave her a big hug. They were so excited. What an encouraging thing. They said, that's wonderful. And she said, hey, but that's not all. She said, I called up my husband, and I told him what I had learned and that I had prayed to trust Jesus. And my husband did the same thing. He turned to Jesus as his Lord and Savior. They said, wow, that's amazing. And then they're like, well, wait a second. Where's your husband? You called him up. Is he like working out of town? And she said, no, 
He's in prison. He's in prison, and uh, we've been separated for a long time because of that. But now that he knew the Lord, this couple, this Christian couple who had left a good tip and the good news of Jesus Christ started to disciple them, even though that they were separated. And until finally, a few years later, that husband got out of jail, came back, and the husband and wife were baptized together at that church, proclaiming the fact that God had saved them. They had this joy that they were filled up with because God had saved them. What an incredible thing when we're able to encounter the salvation of God. That's what we see in our passage today. If you've got your copy of God's Word, I want to encourage you to open up to Psalm 98. Whether you've got your Bible app or your physical copy, Psalm 98 is where we are. And here's how it starts out. Psalm 98 Verse 1 it says, O sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. That's one of the first reasons that we worship God, that we sing to him a new song, is because of what he has done, what he has accomplished within our lives, the salvation that he blesses us with. What an encouraging thing. But we don't just worship God just for what he's done. There are some other reasons. Let's take a listen to how it elaborates. It says, His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. What did he reveal? He revealed an aspect of his character that he is a righteous God. And also, verse 3 says that he remembered something else about himself, his steadfast love and his faithfulness. So we worship God not only for what he has done and accomplished, but for who he is. Simply who he is as we observe a God as he is, is incredible and deserving of worship. It says that he has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel, Right? where those promises were initially made to the house of Israel, but it didn't stop there because it's always been part of God's plan that salvation would be offered to all nations. The next part of that verse says, All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of God. It's always been his plan to extend that to all peoples. And that's why we celebrate Christmas, isn't it? That's why we come together and we celebrate and we say, wow, thank you, Lord, that you sent your son. And just as we have here a manger, thank you for sending your newborn son to be here. But not only was he born, but he grew up. The Bible tells us he grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Not only that, he started to teach people about what it meant that he was bringing forth the kingdom of heaven. Not only that, he started to do miracles. Not only that, he started to heal people, to show people that uh, not only on a physical level can he heal people, but on a spiritual level he can save people. And as he did that, not, that's not as far as he went. He went even further. He went to the cross in our place. He said, I'm going to die in the place of these people. He went to the grave. He even went further than that, and he rose again. He showed us that we have hope and new life, that no matter what happens in this life, no matter how death shows up in our lives, that we have hope because of Jesus. So if you're here today, and if you've been saved, I want you to be filled with joy. If you've been saved, we can rejoice because our debt has been paid. 
Our debt has been paid in full. He's given us this free gift of salvation. And I love how we sing about that. Just a few minutes ago, we sang about that in Joy to the World. Isaac Watts, when he says this, Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. My prayer is that for each of us, that our hearts would be fully desiring to be drawing near to the Lord and that we would be able to sing and worship him and experience joy as a result of that. So that's the first thing. Jesus fills us with joy and blesses us with that when he first saves us. An incredible moment. But that's not the only thing that we can have joy as a result of. Because the second thing I want you to know is that Jesus gives us joy when we worship him. When we respond to him in gratitude and worship and honor and praise, just as we did this morning, lifting up holy hands in one accord, praising God along with all the instruments and everything, lifting up his holy name. There's a pastor named Mark Buchanan who shares this story of a woman named Wanda. And Wanda, for a long time, struggled with alcoholism. She had been in and out of rehab and tried to get help. And at one point she was doing better and was able to get her kids back. But then she ended up falling again. And she was struggling. This church was seeking to love on her. And finally she went away for a whole year to a rehab place in Vancouver. And about a week before she got out of this rehab place, she called up the church and she said, Hey, I want to know, is it okay if I come back? Is it okay if I come back to experience the Christian community? I'm doing well. And, and they said, of course. And so she showed up, and they almost didn't recognize her. She was put together, and she was healthy. And at that moment, that uh, pastor was preaching that Sunday about the ten lepers, those ten men who had been healed and went away and to go tell everyone, but there was one leper who came back and was worshiping at the feet of Jesus, saying, hey, I thank you so much for what you've done. I recognize what you've done in my life. So as they closed out their service, as we do uh, pretty often, we, they said, hey, why don't you come on up, and uh, if you need to be prayed for, we got somebody ready to pray. So she came forward. She walked right past that person. She came up on stage, stood in between the guitar player and the drummer, and she lifted up her hands, just like that one returning leopard, to say, look at what God has done in my life. And not only that, there was somebody else who came forward, a, a sister in Christ who had never met Wanda before, came up, put her arm around her, and worshiped along with her. Because what happens when we experience what God has done in our life? We turn around and we experience joy as we worship God. We've been made to worship. You and I were designed to worship, and there's so many things we love to worship. Okay, whether it's worshiping our bank account, I gotta, that's what I want to focus on, or, or whether it's a sports, or whether it's the way that your house looks, or whether it's your comfort, whatever it is, accomplishments in life, there's so many things we can worship, but we were made to worship our Creator. We're able to experience joy when we worship Him. Our passage, starting in verse 4, tells us this exact same thing. It says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth, every part of creation. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. 
Now, everyone in this room, from the earliest of our days, we've been able to make noise, right? As soon as you're born, you start screaming, right? We're talking, babbling along. We love hearing that little boy, that little girl talking, trying to make sense of words. And, and we're hoping that that baby's going to figure out how to say mama and dada, right? Mom's rooting for one, dad's rooting for the other one. Well, in my own life, Calvin, uh, his first word was not mama or dada. It was, uh, we were out on the swings. My two girls, as I was pushing them, my daughters were chanting, higher, higher. They wanted me to push them really high. And Calvin's first word was, higher, higher. He wanted me to push him higher too. So that's his first word. That's great. He's an ambitious young man. But as we learn how to express ourselves, as we learn those words and have capacity to make noise, we're called to make a noise that is joyful to the Lord. As we sing out in him and as we live our lives in a pattern of worship, we are called to lift high his name. It doesn't say you have to sing on key, which is good news for a lot of us, right? We are to call not to sing just perfectly in key, but to make a joyful noise to him. And it's not just our voices that are to be engaged in worship. What else does it say? It says, verse 5, sing praises to the Lord with the lyre. It's like an old school guitar with a lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn. We don't have a horn section right now, but if anybody plays trumpet, I mean trombone, saxophone, anything, let me know. We'd love to get a horn section started right over here. But that's a great way to worship. Make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Before the King. As we come together in worship each week, it's as if we are entering into the throne room of God. They're saying this is the King. We're here to worship him. He rules over all things. He is a good king. He cares for us. And as he rules over all things, he doesn't just have himself in mind, but he is a gracious God who gives to us the things that we need and even the things we don't realize that we need. He's a good God. So let's let heaven and nature sing praises to the king. My question for you today is what does your worship look like? What does your worship to the king look like? Does it look like uh, mumbling along with the words and, yeah, those are the words on the screen, so I'll just kind of go along with that? Or is it something that wells up within your heart? As we draw near to the Lord, as we see his hand within our lives and we know that he is present in each and every moment and circumstance, as we come before him, we can say, God, you are awesome. You are so good. I have joy because of you. Our worship should well up within our hearts just as Isaac Watts wrote some of these songs so we could be engaged not only from an intellectual level but also on a heart level. What did Jesus call us to do? Those who are worshipers, we are called to worship him in spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. That truth part, I love it. We make sure we look through all the lyrics of songs before we sing it to make sure we're worshiping God for things that the Bible tells us are actually true of him. Absolutely, we want to do that. But on the other hand, we're called to worship in spirit. We should be engaged on a spiritual level that we should genuinely be crying out to him, praising him from the depths of our soul. And that's how Isaac Watt puts it into this song. Stanza 2 says this, Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men and women their songs employ. Use your songs. The songs that you can sing, the words that come out of your mouth and out of your hearts, use that to worship him. And what else is worshiping him? It says, while fields and floods 
rocks, hills, and plains. If we don't cry out, the rocks are going to cry out and worship him. Amen? Repeat the sounding joy. As we worship in him, we're filled with joy. We're able to experience what we've really been created to do, who we've really been created to be. So we experience joy because Jesus is our Savior. We experience joy when we lift high worship to the King, the newborn King, the King of kings. And not only that, even though we look back to the moment that Jesus saved us, even as we're in the present, worshiping Him actively, we look forward to the future. We look forward to the day when He will return. Because when Isaac Watts wrote Joy to the World, he didn't just look and say, hey, joy to the world, Jesus was born. He actually had in mind joy to the world, Jesus is coming back a second time. We look forward to the day where we'll be able to be within him, be uh, with him in heaven forever. And that's the third thing I have for you today, is that Jesus gives us joy as we anticipate his return. Jesus gives us joy as we look forward to the day when he will come back. One of my first memories of singing this song, Joy to the World, my brothers and sisters and I, there was uh, seven of us kids, and uh, we'd all go with my mom and dad, and we'd go visit my great-grandmother, Evelyn Schaefer. She'd be up, I think, in, uh, close to Elgin, and uh, living in a, an older folks' home there, and we'd go and dress up just a little bit around Christmas time, and eat, eat some of the cookies that were over there, and then my mom would strike up the chorus, and we would all sing, Joy to the World, Joy to the World. And as uh, some of the men and the women would come around in wheelchairs and come around and sit in chairs, they would hear us sing some of these words, looking forward to the day when Jesus will make everything right. For many of the people in those, that room, maybe they had been thinking about that, hey, my next step is to go to be with the Lord, for those who are believers, to go and be with him for all of eternity. And those people, no doubt, if they were believers, were looking forward to that day when they would be in heaven completely without issue and pain and struggle anymore. That's why uh, this next part of the song says this, what it means that God's going to make everything right. Stanza 3 says, No more let sins and sorrows grow. Sins and sorrows, that's what we experience. We've been saved from the power of sin, but for many of us, we still are engaged within the practice of sin. There are times in which our sinful flesh takes over again and we go to the place that Jesus has set us free from, but we still go to that place. And we're looking forward to the day when no longer will we be engaged at all with the practice of sin. And not only that, we've got sorrows in this world, things that deeply grieve us within our soul, that bring tears to our eyes and streaming down our cheeks, and we look forward to the day when no longer will sins and sorrows grow. And then this next line says something that you may be like, why in the world are we talking about this? And it talks about thorns. It says, nor thorns infest the ground. And you're like, well, I'm done with all my landscaping for this year. Everything's getting cold outside. I'm not too worried about thorns. What's the deal there? Well, the deal is that Adam and Eve, when they turned against the Lord and they went their own way, part of the curse that God directed not at Adam and Eve. He could have cursed them, but instead he cursed the ground past them as an act of grace. And he said, this ground is going to be difficult for you to work with it. There's going to be thorns and thistles, these different things that's going to make life more difficult. That was part of the curse of sin. 
these thorns. But when Jesus came and he lived his life and he went to the cross in our place and his hands and his feet were nailed to that cross, what was placed on his head? A crown of thorns representing the full weight of the curse that once at one time had been directed towards us, but Jesus said, no, I'm taking that curse on myself. I take that on myself. And that's why we sing, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow. And the, the blessings of God, how far do they extend? The blessings that come from God, where do they go? They go far as the curse is found to every nook and cranny of the entire universe that has been affected by sin and evil. God comes and his blessings will make all things right when he returns one day. What a great day that will be when Christ returns for his people, when he puts an end to everything that is wrong in our world. Here's how Psalm 98 puts that. Take a look with me, uh, starting up in verse 7. Talks about our anticipation for the things that we know will happen when Christ returns. Verse 7 says, Let the sea roar in all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together. Every last part of creation will be affected by the return of Christ. And here's how God's perfect standard is going to show up. If you've ever looked around and you've been dissatisfied with uh, whether it's a justice system or the fact that there is injustice, there is wrongdoing throughout the world, and people who get away with things, and hey, they couldn't find who it was, so he got off free. Well, guess what? No, that's not true. Because God is the just judge who will make everything right. Here's how his perfect standard's going to show up at his return. Verse 9, before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. It's a fearful thing to stand before a perfect judge. Even if you're not guilty, it's kind of scary to go stand before a judge, someone who's got power to decide your fate. But how much scarier is it to stand as someone who's guilty before a perfect, almighty, uh, holy judge like God? But if we've already been declared righteous, if the blood of Jesus, the perfect blood, has already been applied to us, then we have nothing to fear. No reason to fear that uh, coming judgment. I love the verse that we have here about the hope that we have as Christians in the face of God's judgment. First uh, Thessalonians 5, 9 through 10 says this, For God has not destined us for wrath. Those of us who are believers, who have turned to him, trusted him as a Lord and Savior, we are the people who no longer are destined to experience God's wrath. That was all taken care of at the cross of Christ. But instead, what have we been destined for? To obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. What a joy that it is. We look forward to the day, whether we pass away on this earth or whether we're here alive the day when Christ returns, we look forward to the fact that each believer will live with him forever. So we look forward to that day, that day when Christ will return, when he will take the living and the dead will all be in heaven in, with God for all eternity. It's a day we'll experience joy like we've never experienced before. We get a taste of it here on this earth but forevermore, we will experience the joy of the Lord. We'll experience the wonders of his love in a whole new way. Just as we sing that final 
stanza. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love. Wonders of his love. What an incredible thing it is that because Jesus became God with us, because he was born to Mary in that manger all those years ago, because of that we have hope that we can turn to Jesus as our Lord and Savior. My prayer for each one of us is that we would be able to experience the wonders of his love this Christmas season. Got a couple weeks left before Christmas, and I know a lot of us are going to be busy. We'll be going all over the place, whether traveling, doing this or that, buying things, cooking things, getting ready. But my prayer is that each one of us would be able to focus our thoughts on Jesus Christ, the one who brought joy to the world. Let me pray. Father, we thank you so much for the gift of your joy. Lord, in a dark world that sometimes is monotonous, sometimes is discouraging, Lord, sometimes we are the ones who go through the motions. But Lord, I thank you that we have hope, that we look forward to the day when your son, Jesus Christ, will return. Lord, that he will wipe every tear from our eyes. No more will sin and sorrows grow. Lord, I pray that we'd be able to experience your joy this week. We love you, Lord for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said amen amen well thank you so much for worshiping with us today I want to invite you to stand as uh, I send you off with our benediction Uh, if uh, you need some invitations we got some on the back table there some invitations uh, for Christmas Eve we'll be here at uh, 4 p.m. 4 p.m. for our Christmas Eve service we'll just have that one service have a great time and uh, and then Christmas Day We'll be here at 11 o'clock. So same time, same place, uh, Christmas uh, Day uh, at 11 o'clock. You can grab an invitation and invite some family, some friends. But I want to send you off with these words from Psalm 98. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Go experiencing the joy of the Lord this Christmas season.